0: It was October of 2002. I was 19 years old at the time. I was a sophomore in college, and when I got up that morning, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to do it because I didn't do it right the first time. You see, the first time I did it, which was 10 years prior, I didn't do it for the right reason. I didn't do it for the Bible reason. In fact, the truth is I didn't have a clue of what I was doing the first time. I just wanted to take the Lord's Supper like everybody else. I didn't know what it meant to be a sinner. And to believe in Jesus and, and to repent of, of sin and be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. I didn't have a clue of what any of that meant 10 years prior. But I did on that morning, on that Sunday morning in October 2002. I knew exactly what all that stuff meant on that morning. And so when I got up that morning, on that Sunday morning, I went to church. I went to church all by myself. Went to the congregation where my grandmother, who was raising me, was a member. This is a small church in Nacogdoches, Texas. They were actually meeting in a hotel, in a conference room. They didn't have a building. And once the preacher finished his sermon, and after the invitation song was sang, I stood up in front of the whole church, and I made an announcement. I made an announcement to the church, and it just so happened That by chance, honestly by chance, that there was an 18-year-old girl there visiting with her family on that day. And a couple of weeks later, we would start dating. And then seven months later, we would run off and get married. She just by chance, honestly just by chance, happened to be visiting that Sunday with her family. And she saw me get up and make this announcement. She saw me get up and announce to the church that was gathered in that conference room. I want to do it the right way. I want to do it the Bible way. I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. I want to become a Christian. I want to be added to the Lord's church. I made that announcement to those Christians gathered in that room, and the preacher came up to me, And he says, Sean, I will baptize you today for the forgiveness of your sins. But before I do that, you got to go home. He said, you got to go home. He said, you got to go home and get some clothes. Believe it or not, they didn't have any clothes for me to get baptized in. And so he told me, I got to go home and get some garments. And that's what I did. I got in my 1991 Pontiac Grand Am. And I drove back to my house, afraid the whole time that I was getting a car sent and not be able to make it back. And God blessed me to make it home. I got the clothes. I came back and the preacher baptized me. He baptized me in a jacuzzi. He baptized me in a nice, warm jacuzzi. And I can still remember the feeling I felt when I came up out of that water. I can still remember feeling great joy and excitement and peace and cleansing and relief. I can still remember feeling the greatest feeling I've ever felt in my life. I can remember the day when I became a Christian. I can remember the day when I became a New Testament Christian. And if you are a New Testament Christian like I'm a New Testament Christian, do you also remember the day when you became one? You remember the day when you became a Christian? You remember what year it was? You remember how old you were? Do you remember who baptized you? Do you remember where you were baptized and and who was there and and the initial feelings that you had? Do you remember the hugs and the smiles that people gave you after they saw you come up out out of that water? Do you remember all the encouragement you received? Do you remember why you made that decision? Do you remember what drove you to that decision? Do you remember what caused you to come to the decision to become a Christian? Do you remember why you became a Christian? I think that's something we all need to spend a few moments talking about this morning because the fact of the matter is it can be easy for us to forget. It can be easy for us to to forget about the things that compelled us to become Christians. I mean, after being Christians for a few months, a few years, a few decades, once that spiritual new car smell wears off, it can be easy to get into a routine. And kind of just start going through the motions and checking off spiritual boxes and even begin grumbling and and complaining about our lives. It can be easy for us to forget what life was like for us before we became Christians and why we felt so great about life after we became Christians. It can be easy for us to forget those initial feelings we felt when we gave our lives to the Lord. And so, if you don't mind, this morning in this study, what I want to do is I just want to take a few minutes reminding us. I want to take us down memory lane for a few minutes. For those of you who are Christians this morning, for those of you who have been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, I want to stir your zeal this morning. And I want to stir your passion and your faith, and maybe, hopefully, I want to rekindle the initial feelings you have within you On the day you made the decision to become a Christian, why? Why did you become a Christian? Why did I become a Christian? One reason why I became a Christian is because I knew that Christianity was true. I knew that Christianity was true. There was a lot I didn't know, but I knew that I believed that with every fiber of my being. I believe that with all my heart, with all my soul. I believe that Christianity is the one true religion because of Jesus. I believed in Jesus on the day I became a Christian. And I'm going back to where our scripture reading came from this morning in John the 14th chapter and verse 6. And John 14 and verse 6 Jesus said these words, I am the way. And the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me on the day I became a Christian. I believed those things about Jesus. I believe that he wasn't just a way to heaven. But he was the way to heaven. The implication of that is he's the only way to heaven. He's the only path to a relationship with God. If we're going to make it to heaven at all, it's going to be through Jesus and only through Jesus, not through Mohammed. Not through Buddha, not through Confucius, not through Joseph Smith. No, we're going to make it through Jesus and only through Jesus. I believe that. And I also believe that that he's the truth. I believe that he is the source of truth. That everything he spoke is the truth. That when he was on this earth, he was the full embodiment of truth. I believe he was the way and the truth and also the life. That is the source of life, the source of all physical life, because he's the creator and also the source of real life, eternal life, everlasting life in heaven with God. I believe those things about Jesus. I believe that he's the way and the truth and the life. And I believe those things not just because he he said so. Not just because he claimed those things to be so or because he claimed those things are true. I mean, anybody can make claims, right? Anybody can make the claims that Jesus made. That's not hard. Anybody can claim to be the way, the truth and the life. Anybody can claim to be the son of God. Anybody can claim to be the Lord and the Messiah and the one sent into the world to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Anybody can make those claims. I can make those claims you can make those claims. But the reason why I believe Jesus is because of the evidence. It's because of the supernatural evidence he provided to back up his claims. What was the evidence? Well, Paul tells us what the key piece of evidence was in Romans chapter 1. Will you go in your Bible, please, to Romans chapter 1, and let's read the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 beginning with verse number three in Romans chapter one and verse number three, as the apostle Paul talks about Jesus, Paul says this in Romans one in verse three concerning his son. That's Jesus, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared. Notice he was declared the son of God with power by what? The resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What's Paul talking about there? Well, in that verse, Paul's talking about evidence. He's talking about extraordinary evidence. He is saying that the extraordinary evidence that was provided, that backed up Jesus claims was his resurrection. It was the fact that that he died. And he was buried, but but he didn't stay buried. No, he came out of the tomb. He was raised. He, he was resurrected. He was declared through the resurrection to be exactly who he claimed to be. Question. Would God have raised up Jesus if he was a liar? Would God have raised up Jesus? If he wasn't the son of God, would God have raised up Jesus? If he wasn't the way, the truth, and the life, would God have raised up Jesus? If he was a phony and a fraud and a fake and a false messiah who was leading people astray, would God have raised up a man like that? Of course not. Of course not. You see, here the apostle Paul is making the point that Jesus provided extraordinary evidence to back up his extraordinary claim the resurrection is the key piece of evidence that demonstrates that Jesus is who he claimed to be And the Apostle Peter he makes that same point in Acts chapter 2 when you go into your Bible please to Acts chapter 2 you remember this famous sermon this famous sermon of the Apostle Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 he's in the city of Jerusalem It's the day of Pentecost. He's standing before a crowd of thousands and he's trying to persuade them to believe in Jesus. What did he preach to them? Well, this is what he preached to them. In Acts chapter two and verse number 22, in verse 22, he says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put to death. You killed Jesus. Verse 24 says, But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. So it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Look at verse 32. In verse 32, Peter goes on to say, This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses and then in verse 36 he says because of this therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain or believe most assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you have crucified what is Peter doing there well notice how when trying to urge these Jews in Jerusalem to believe and know for certain that Jesus is who he claimed to be Peter appeals the resurrection peter appeals to the fact that jesus died and he was buried but he was also raised and he wasn't just raised but he was seen by many witnesses peter appeals to the resurrection the resurrection is why they could have confidence that jesus wasn't just a man he wasn't a, a a phony a fraud a fake he wasn't just some rabbi or philosopher instead he was the Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is everything he claimed to be. That's why I became a Christian. That's why you became a Christian. That's why everybody should become a Christian. That's why you should become a Christian if you are not a Christian. The reason why every person needs to become a Christian is because Christianity has been verified to be true. Unlike Islam, unlike Buddhism, unlike Mormonism or even Judaism, Christianity has been verified to be the one true religion today because Jesus was raised from the dead. Because he came back to life, because he came out of that tomb, everything in the gospel is validated. His moral standard is validated. His identity is validated. The preaching of the apostles and the things they told us to do to become Christians, all of that is validated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I became a Christian because I knew I knew Christianity was the truth. I believed in Jesus with all my heart and with all my soul, but not only did I believe in Jesus on the day I became a Christian, I also became a Christian because I knew I I was lost. You remember that feeling? I knew I was lost. I knew I was lost in my sins. I knew that just like these people here in Acts 2 did. Look at verse 37. In Acts 2 and verse 37, after these people were told that Jesus was the Lord and the Christ, and they had killed him, they had killed the Son of God. In verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They were pricked to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Do you see the desperation, the conviction? The fact they know that they have killed the Messiah. They know they're sinners and they're they're lost in their sins. These people realize this in that verse. And I remember when I realized the same thing. In fact, I want you to go in your Bible now to Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 because Paul's going to make a similar point to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just start with verse 1. In Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 1, Paul says this to these Christians in Ephesus. He says in verse one, and you were dead, spiritually dead, and your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Drop down to verse 11. In verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, remember that you formerly, the Gentiles in the flesh, that's all of us, we're not Jews, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now Christ Jesus has brought you, that's Gentiles, who were formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What's Paul telling those Christians to do there? Well, there Paul is urging them to remember. He's telling them to remember, to remember their lives before they became Christians. To remember their condition when they were outside of Jesus Christ, to remember when they were lost in their sins and they were not part of God's family and they were without God and and they had no hope. They needed to remember that. They need to remember their lives before they became Christians. And you know who else needs to remember that? You do. We do. I do. I need to remember that. I need to remember that this morning. I need to remember what I felt like when I was lost. I need to remember that desperate and that hopeless feeling I felt on a faithful Sunday morning back in October of 2002. I need to remember how when I woke up that morning, I realized I wasn't right with God. I was a sinner. I didn't have a relationship with God. I hadn't obeyed the gospel. I wasn't part of his church. I wasn't part of his family. I was on a direction that was leading me straight to hell. That's what I was on. I need to remember that. You need to remember that. In fact, remembering that will help us. It's going to help us. It's going to help us avoid leaving Jesus. It's going to help us avoid missing the world and desire to go back into the world and live a life of sin. It's going to help us avoid the problem that Peter talks about in this verse, 2 Peter 1 and verse 9. Remember, we're studying from 2 Peter 1 this year as part of our church theme. We're looking at the spiritual ingredients that Peter gives there in that chapter. You actually, your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. We're we're learning about those things this year. And and here we see why we need to learn that stuff. Peter says we need to learn these things because when you lack them, there's a consequence. Second Peter 1 and verse 9, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Notice how Peter says that if we don't grow in our faith, if we don't add to our faith all the stuff we've been talking about this year, if we're not constantly reminding ourselves of our, of our miserable existence when we were outside of Christ, we can forget. We can forget. We can forget about all the blessings we have in Christ today. We can forget about how in Christ we've received so many wonderful things. We can forget about how in Christ we've received purification. We've received cleansing, spiritual cleansing. We've had our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. We've been given a new spiritual status and a new direction and a new purpose and a new relationship with God. That's our lives. Now that we are Christians, and we need to remember that, you know, a few years ago, several years ago, actually, we were living in Tennessee. This was before faith was born. And it was just three of us and everybody and our family got sick. Everybody was sick. Y'all know that when you got a family, you share everything, right? You share a house. You share money. You share Netflix. You share sickness, don't you? You share it all. And so that happened to us a few years ago. It all started with Shawn Michael, He was a little bitty boy. And he had caught a a horrible stomach bug. And he was just miserable. He was vomiting all over the place. He was in a lot of pain, very tired all the time. And and I just felt helpless as a daddy. Y'all been there before when you see your kids sick and you just feel helpless? Just felt helpless. I was in a lot of pain, but it didn't stop there because a day or two later, guess what? My wife caught it, and she started having all the same symptoms he had. She started doing everything that he was doing, and then guess what? A couple days later, guess who else got it? I got it. We were all sick with this terrible stomach bug, and that's a bad memory. I'm going to tell you, all that's a bad memory when I think back, at, think back on that, but every now and then, like this morning... I remind myself of that because it does something for me. It helps me. It helps me. It helps me be thankful for the good health of my family today. It helps me stop griping and complaining and grumbling about everything I think is wrong in my life. It helps me avoid taking good health for granted. I can remember vividly when everybody in my family was infected with this horrible stomach bug, and I can also remember vividly when I realized I was infected with sin. I can remember how on the day I became a Christian, I became a Christian because I was repulsed by sin. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I had violated God's law, and I was destined to be lost. I knew that only Jesus, only Jesus can save me. Only Jesus could cure me of my sin problem. Only Jesus could give me access to God's full forgiveness and change my spiritual status. I became a Christian because I knew I was lost. And only one person could save me, and it wasn't myself. It was Jesus Christ. But you know why else I became a Christian? I also became a Christian because I was ready to commit myself to Jesus. Jesus saved me from my sins. And so I was ready to follow him. I was ready to give my life to Jesus. I was ready to do what the apostles did in John six. Will you go in your Bible, please, to John chapter six In John chapter six. If you remember, Jesus preached a powerful sermon about being the bread of life. He preached a powerful sermon about how if you want to live forever. If you want eternal life then you got to eat of him. You got to partake of Jesus. You must consume yourself with Jesus. That's what Jesus preached in John 6. And the result of that, when you look at verse 66, is a lot of people left him. Can you believe that? A lot of people left Jesus. They heard Jesus preach directly and they left him. In fact, it may be that thousands and thousands of people left him on this very day. But look at what the apostles say in verse 67 in John six in verse 67. After all these people left Jesus because they didn't like his preaching. It says, so Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away. Also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the holy one of God. What are the apostles doing there? Well, they're the apostles are committing themselves to following Jesus. They're resolving at this moment to walk with Jesus, to to surrender themselves completely to Jesus, to make Jesus the foundation of their lives because they know that only Jesus can do something for them that nobody else can. They know that only Jesus can promise To give them eternal life and actually deliver on that promise. The apostles here are resolving to follow Jesus. And on the day we became Christians, for those of us who are Christians this morning, didn't we resolve to do the same thing? Didn't we promise to, to do the same thing? Didn't on the day we became Christians, didn't we also commit ourselves to following Jesus? Did we not on the day in which we became Christians commit ourselves to doing what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, and that is denying ourselves, putting our will aside, denying ourselves for him, taking up our cross, being willing to suffer for him and follow him? Didn't we do that? Did, did we not commit ourselves on the day we became Christians to live in a changed life? To live in a transformed life, to giving up a life of sin to giving up a life where we're involved in sinful practices, to become new creatures and be born again and put on the new selves, as Brother Tom talked about this morning. Didn't we resolve to do that? Didn't we resolve to become brand new people? No more cursing. No more gossiping. No more lashing out at other people with uncontrolled anger. No more lying, no more bitterness, no more jealousy, no more sexual immorality, no more anything that's outside of the will of God. On the day we became Christians, we committed ourselves to living a changed life, and we also committed ourselves to being about the Lord's work, didn't we? We committed ourselves to being about the Lord's business. We committed ourselves to assembling with other Christians on the first day of the week so we can eat the Lord's Supper. So we can give, so we can sing, so we can pray, so we can encourage other Christians. We committed ourselves to being about the mission of Jesus. The mission described in Matthew 28 and verse 19, where we go into the world and we teach the gospel. We try to make disciples of the nations. We don't keep the word of God to ourselves. We committed ourselves to being willing to suffer for Christ. And experience persecution for Christ and obey Christ, no matter what problems and trials and difficulties come our way. We committed ourselves to growing, growing in our knowledge, growing in our character, growing in our service. Another way we could say all of this is on the day we became Christians, we committed ourselves to giving our hearts to Jesus. We committed ourselves to living life his way, to not just giving him a say in our lives, but giving him the say, the ultimate say. The ultimate say in how we talk. The ultimate say in what we decide to put into our bodies. The ultimate say in what kind of clothes we choose to wear and who we choose to be our friends and, and when what we watch and browse and post and show approval for on social media. On the day we became Christians, we committed ourselves to following Jesus. To live in life his way, not our way. The question is, are we still doing that today? Are we still holding true to that promise today? Are we still holding true to the pledge that we made on the day we became Christians? Are we still doing our best to live for Jesus? To live his way, to demonstrate love for him every single day with every fiber of our being because he showed love for us first. He demonstrated love for us at the highest level by dying on the cross for our sins. I became a Christian because I wanted to follow Jesus. I knew that Christianity was true, I knew I was lost, and I knew I needed to follow Jesus. But there's one more reason I want to share with you very quickly. Another reason why I became a Christian. is because I knew I was going to die. I knew I was going to die. Even at 19 years old, I knew one day I was going to die. And if I died and I wasn't a Christian, I was going to be in a lot of trouble. I was going to be in a lot of trouble if I died and I wasn't a Christian. I was going to be lost. I was going to lose my soul in the horrors of hell. Will you go in your Bible, please, to Hebrews chapter 9? I want to show you a passage, and you know this passage, but let's read it with fresh eyes. Where the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and in verse 27, in Hebrews 9, and in verse 27, the Hebrew writer says, In as much, in as much, As is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. Notice how this verse says that there's two things that are guaranteed to happen to every single person. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what the color of our skin may be. It doesn't matter if we're rich or poor. It doesn't matter how much education we have or don't have. It doesn't matter matter if we're married or if we spent our whole lives single. It doesn't matter where we may live on this planet, regardless of any of those trivial things. The Bible says every one of us is going to die and then we're going to appear before the Lord in judgment. That's guaranteed. That's guaranteed for every single person. And listen carefully, my dear friends, being a Christian prepares you for those two things. It prepares you. It provides you with hope when you die. It provides you with security when you die. It provides you with the assurance that everything is going to be okay when you die. That is the biggest benefit of being a Christian. And the question is, are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die if death occurred in your life today? I think that's something we need to think about because here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is we all could die today. We all could die today. Nobody here knows when they're going to die. No one here knows when they're going to exit out of this life. I was reminded of that and a very vivid way a a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, on the morning of July 21st, I got on Facebook, and I started browsing the news feed, and I noticed that someone had died. I noticed that a young man had died, and I knew this young man. I know this young man. His name is Sean Cavender. Sean Cavender was a gospel preacher. I met Sean Cavender back in 2011 when we were both speaking on our lectureship in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was actually dating his future wife at the time. Janice and I had dinner with them a couple of times, and we also were able to spend an evening with them. And through the years, we would run into each other at various speaking events, at various lectureships, and we would always encourage each other. He was a fine man and a fine gospel preacher. Fine gospel preacher. But on the evening of July 20th, last month, at the conclusion of the Truth Lectures, in Athens, Alabama. I actually spoke on those lectures back in 2017. The last month, at the conclusion of those lectures, Sean's vehicle was struck at the intersection right in front of the Bible school where the lectureship was taking place and he was killed. He was killed instantly. He was killed right in front of the very building that he had preached in that very day, and he was only 36 years old, and he left behind a wife and two small children. His death was a reminder to me of something that I knew, but I'm in denial of so often, and that is, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know. No one is guaranteed to live to be 80 or 90 or 100 years old. Any one of us could exit out of this life today and being a Christian prepares you for that. It prepares you for death. It should take away your fear of death. It should instill within you a mindset that is different than the world's. You see, the world is afraid of death. The world views death as the worst thing that could happen to us. The world views death as a cursing, but Christians should view death as a blessing. We should view it as a period of rest and peace, according to Revelation 14 and verse 13. We should not be afraid of to, to die because we follow somebody who conquered death. We follow someone who has the keys of death and Hades, we follow someone who provides us with the hope of the resurrection and eternal glory with God. Sean was a Christian. He was a follower of Jesus. He prepared himself for death by devoting himself to the only one who could save his soul. And you know who else did that? Brother Don Johnson. Brother Don Johnson, he was also a Christian. He also prepared himself for death. He followed Jesus. He entrusted his eternal soul with the only one who could save him. Being a Christian, it prepares you for the inevitable, it prepares you to die. And again, my question is are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? If you are a Christian this morning, then I hope this lesson has helped you. I truly do. I hope this lesson has renewed your zeal and your thankfulness for being a Christian. I hope it has helped you remember what being a Christian is all about. And if you're not a Christian, I hope this lesson will motivate you to become a Christian. I hope this lesson will motivate you to submit to Jesus and follow Jesus and entrust to Jesus, your soul, I hope it will motivate you to do what the people in Acts 2 did to become Christians. In Acts 2, in verse 38, after those people asked the question of what shall we do, Peter told them to repent and to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. That's what they did to become Christians. That's what we all did to become Christians if we're Christians, and that's what you need to do this morning. If. You are not a Christian, and we'll be more than happy to to help you with that. You don't have to go home and get any clothes. We got them back here. It's not a jacuzzi. We'll get the job done. And so we can help you with that. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.